You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with a Monday edition of the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, as always, Kevin Parker, here joined today by Scott. How are we doing today? Great, Kev. Thanks for having me, as always. Uh, excited for a little, uh, little stat head episode here. For sure. So I, you know, I teased this a little bit on Twitter, but basically what we're doing today, we're going through every statistical category that you can really put a number to. And we're predicting who we think is going to be the leader of this group. And then giving you some guys to look out for as well. A couple wild card picks. Um, you know, a couple of these are, are going to be pretty obvious. A couple of these are going to be just total shot in the dark picks. But I wanted to give you a little something. You know, like I said last week, we're starting to really dial up uh, the previews for this season. We're three weeks out and, you know, we're really starting to try to get this thing back on track try to really be talking about football for the next three weeks so today we're doing all the statistical predictions um we got a couple things on on twitter with some predictions for from the people as well but we'll we'll go through and uh, i think this will be a lot of fun you know it's a good weekend of college football and you know we're starting to get the juices are flowing a little bit we had a bunch of upsets and you know, it's it's just nice to be sitting here talking football and, and not talking about COVID and, and talking about all the things that we've been going through this offseason. Um, we're back to, to previewing a season. So uh, before we get going here, Scott, any thoughts on the weekend of college football? Any thoughts as we're about, you know, like I said, just under three weeks away from Michigan State kicking off? Well, you know, Watching football now, I got to admit, there's a little less spark without the Big Ten, but uh, certainly still happy to have some good football. And I think everyone would agree yesterday is probably the best slate we've had so far. So lots of upsets, a uh, few top 10 teams losing, and obviously a couple top 15 matchups in the SEC. So heating up a little bit. Um, but like I said, obviously it's not going to be uh, where we want it to be until we got the Spartans out on the field. Yeah, it's, it's starting to feel like a little bit more normal. I mean, like you get yep. the upsets, you're getting like a, f not a full slate, of course, but at every given time window, there are multiple games that you at least are interested in. So, you know, it's, it's getting a lot more fun, but like you said, in a couple of weeks, it'll really be the real deal. Big 10 will be back. Pac-12 will be back uh, one week after us. Not that, you know, people really care about that other than, you know, if you're just looking for something to stay up and watch at, you know, midnight, that, that's always good for it. So let's jump into this thing. Uh, like I said, we'll go through basically all the, all the stats. We'll, we'll try to, uh, the obvious ones, we'll try to go through pretty quickly. But, you know, some of these we're definitely going to be spending a little bit more time on. Um, so we'll start with the quarterbacks, of course. Uh, most of these just, you know, as, as we're kind of setting this thing up, most of these we're going to separate. So for example, rushing yards versus rushing touchdowns, those are two different categories where, you know, you can have specialist type things, receptions, receiving yards, passing. We, we just kind of lumped them together, passing yards and passing touchdowns. I think it, it just makes sense. So um, I, I'll start this thing off. I mean, I'm going to go with Rocky Lombardi as, as leading the team at the end of this season in passing yards and passing touchdowns. We talked about it. Uh, was it last week that, that we were on together or the week before? And, you know, it's at this point, I, I'm comfortable in saying that he's going to be the week one starter. 
And so for that reason, I, I think I, I'm just going to play my odds here and saying one of these three guys, I, I'm almost guaranteed to be starting at least one game, whereas the other guys, some, some other things have to happen for them to get put in the lineup. So my safe pick here, I'm, I'm going with Rocky Lombardi and hoping that Jay Johnson, Mel Tucker, proved me wrong by taking Theo Day or Peyton Thorne. Scott, are you going out on a limb here or are you staying with the safe pick? Yeah, you know, I just can't – I'm tired of saying Rocky's name. i got to talk about some of these other guys. I do agree that I think Rocky's going to take the first snap under center against Rutgers this year, um, but I don't think he's going to hold his job too long. We've seen him on and off the last two years. He's had more bad games than good games. He's been in the program for what feels like a decade now. Uh, it feels like I've been watching his blonde hair on the sidelines forever. But um, <laughs> honestly, when I look at the other two guys, you know, I think Theo Day is probably the guy I'd expect uh, to take his job if Rocky does start to struggle. Um, and it, it's really hard to say. Obviously, we haven't seen Peyton Thorne. We've only seen like three attempts from Theo Day. But just looking at, you know, the, the build and everything, so much has been made of of this staff and their physical, you know, their attraction to physical players. And, you know, Theo Day, same height and almost the same weight as Steven Montez, who played quarterback at Colorado last year. So Jay Johnson may be comfortable with a guy of that stature uh, under center in his offense. Um, he's still got plenty of eligibility. If they do see any flashes in him, it's a guy that's got plenty of time to build the program around, which not necessarily the same case for Rocky with two years of eligibility. You'd want him at a competitive level day one uh, this season. So I think Theo would probably be the second guy to get a look. I think I like him. It's hard to say without a lot of reps, obviously, but um, I'm going to go with Theo by the end of the season, getting the majority of starts and uh, and the better stat lines. I love it. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's mix things up a little bit. I, the, the eligibility thing really comes into play, especially this year because nobody's losing a year of eligibility. So when you look at a Theo Day or a Peyton Thorne that can get a chance to come in and play this year and not lose that extra year of eligibility, I mean, man, that really could set you up pretty well for the future if, you know, of course, if those guys come in and play well. Uh, but regardless, I think, you know, that kind of gives us a little bit of a leg up on this rebuild and um, could be an interesting factor in this whole discussion. But um, I'm going Rocky Lombardi. Scott's going Theo Day here with the passing yards and passing touchdowns. Uh, my guy, Luke Baker, uh, just to round out the quarterback trio, he's going with Peyton Thorne. So um, between three people, we have three different predictions. And that's just, you know, a, a good snapshot into this quarterback nightmare that is Michigan State football. <laughs> but our guy, Luke Baker on Twitter, we'll bring him up a couple times throughout this episode. Um, he went through his all of his predictions and sent them over to me on Twitter. So he said, Peyton Thorne, this is just hopeful because I think he has the most potential. And I'm with him there. I, I do think the running threat that Thorne brings um, could could unlock a little bit in this offense. But um, let's let's move on to something that we haven't talked to at nauseum. Uh, you know, move on from the quarterbacks here. Uh, we'll go to rushing yards. Uh, this one probably will be wrapped up pretty quickly. Uh, last year, Eli Collins, Elijah Collins, led the team in rushing with 988 yards, just under 1,000, four and a half yards a carry. Uh, pretty much the whole stable of running backs is back. Uh, Anthony Williams, you got Connor Hayward coming back. Brandon Wright um, looks like he might be getting some touches this year. Um, but, you know, ultimately – uh, it's Eli Collins' job. He's going to be a workhorse back. I, you know, the numbers this year are going to be weird because we're only playing eight, nine games. Um, so, you know, it's impossible to say, hey, you know, do you think he's going to run for a thousand yards? Like the benchmarks are totally different and weird, and and the stats are going to look weird at the end of the year. But you know, at the end of the day, the leader in rushing yards is going to be Eli Collins. Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to argue with that. We saw it last year. He took over the job, like you said, and I, I don't see any reason to believe he's going to be taking any steps back this year. Um, there's certainly more guys in the mix, I think, in the stable, and especially early in the season, you're going to see a lot of those guys getting reps because obviously this coaching staff is going to be trying to get as many guys out on the field as they can to start getting looks at them. Uh, but at the end of the day, unless something you know, injury-wise happens or we see a tremendous unexpected step back from Collins, I don't see why it would go any other direction. Yeah, I guess like the only really interesting point here is 
Um, you know, of course, like knock on wood, if anything were to happen, uh, who would who would take the charge in that sense? Because the the touchdowns, I think I have a you know different kind of take, possibly even with Eli Collins in there. But when you're looking at the yards, you're looking at the guy of who's getting the most carries, who's getting the most touches. And if something were to happen, I think that's where this could get interesting. Like we said, we got an experienced kind of stable of backs. Um, if if something happens, who would you expect to take the bulk of those carries and and lead the team in, in yards in that sense? You know, honestly, when you look at, you know, the next three guys with, with Williams, Collins, and, and Wright, you know, behind – not Collins, excuse me, Williams, Wright, and uh, Hayward, you know, I think – the approach would probably just be, uh, you know, a stable approach. They're going to spread out the reps in those early games after, you know, let's say Collins goes down for the year, God forbid, like you said, knock on wood. Um, I think you'd probably see a pretty balanced attack, you know, a few packages for each guy and see who emerges as the hot hand. Cause in all honesty, all three of those guys, they've shown flashes in certain areas of their game. They've got weaknesses in other areas. You know, Anthony Williams, I think would be a trendy pick. He's an elusive back, but, you know, could he really hold up to at his size a little smaller than Collins? Could he hold up to, you know, the battering of Big Ten rushing? Uh, Brandon Wright, on the other hand, he's, you know, a big, sturdy back built similar to Le'Veon when he was at Michigan State, listed at 240. I don't know if he'll go up or down for this season, but um, definitely a bruiser. But, you know, a guy that you don't see picking up those chunk plays, getting around the edge and, and running down the sidelines or anything. And then you've got Hayward, who, honestly hasn't shown a whole lot on the ground in his career. I think his strengths are more in blocking and receiving. Yeah, there was uh, that Maryland know. game, and that was about it. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's hard to say. I think they'd probably, like I said, build some power packages around right, maybe some zone packages around Williams, uh, but just see what's effective and what's working and then go from there. But, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood again, nothing happens to Collins. We don't have to go down that road. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, just because of Anthony Williams as a potential kind of dynamic playmaker, that that would be my pick if something were to happen. But eh, let's just kind of move on because I don't want to talk about the potential of our best player um, going down with this offense uh, already, you know, looking a little bit shaky going into this year. Um, rushing touchdowns. Um, Again, I, this the safe pick is probably Eli Collins just because he's going to be getting all the touches. He's going to be getting the bulk of the carries. And, you know, if I were putting money down on this, that's where I'd go. Uh, but I do think that there's an interesting kind of situation where a few years ago we had Javon Ringer when he was still young in his MSU career um, and he wasn't the 40 carries a game workhorse that he turned into. And early in the year it was – Javon Ringer basically in between the 20s and then we threw J.U. Colcrick in there when it got around the end zone and we got into to red zone situations and there was a year where J.U. Colcrick ended with like I, I'd have to pull it up but it was something like 400 yards and like 17 touchdowns like it was just the guy was a machine around the red zone so I would pick Eli Collins here but I'll make a note to keep an eye on Brandon Wright I, I think he could kind of fill that role again. He came in at like 6'2", 240. Like that's, that's just a man there behind the tackles. And, and if you can get him into those goal line situations that Eli Collins has shown, you know, he's, he's got good vision and I think you can trust him around the goal line. But, you know, if we're looking for that bruiser to just come in, get the touchdowns like, you know, a, a J.U. Colcrick or a LeGarrette Blunt in the NFL – uh, that type of role that maybe Brandon Collins can, or Brandon Wright can fill that role. Yeah, I will uh, echo everything you just said. Like you said, I think if, if Collins takes a step forward, he's going to have a little bit of a notes for the end zone this year, more than he did last year. He only had five on the ground last year, but um, you know, there were plenty of games. I mean, I think the first three games he led us in rushing, but hadn't scored a touchdown. He kept getting tackled right at the one yard line on those long runs. I think this year, you know, gets a little stronger, gets a little better vision and finds the end zone a few more times. But, you know, like you said, if we have, if we have a, a chip away offense, you know, we're going down the field, barely picking up first downs, things like that. You know, the passing game's not getting chunk plays to open up the running game. Maybe it is a Brandon Wright where we get it down one, two, three yard line and just let him slam into a linebacker and hopefully fall forward. Um, so we'll see. A lot depends on how Jay Johnson approaches those kinds of situations. But 
Um, you know, like you said, Collins, he doubled the, you know, Brian Lewerke and carries last year. Lewerke was number two, um, probably had eight times more carries than Anthony Williams, who was in third. So he's going to be getting the touches. And if he's as good as we hope he is, he's hopefully going to be getting the touchdowns as well. Yeah, I just, I just like pulled that up because you said they doubled up uh, the worky in carries. And Elijah Collins, 222 carries. Brian Lewerke, 111. And that's just kind of one of those, as you're scrolling through the stat sheet, that's a weird one that pops out. Um, now, kind of a different stat here uh, that I, I want to get your take on. I'll let you start off with this one. Receiving yards from a running back specifically. So this one's, it's an open book. I mean, Collins, we've been saying, is going to be on the field a lot. Um, and they're going to obviously have to pepper that in for him to uh, keep the defense honest. And he showed an effectiveness. He had 15 catches last year, um, you know, six and a half yard average. Um, but I honestly think Hayward and Williams are going to probably get more looks, um, you know, going their way aside from checkdowns, you know, on the screens, on um, you know, bubbles, things like that. They're probably going to be the guys out there. Hayward's going to be out there for third down a lot to, to help pass block for this new quarterback, whoever it is. Um, and Anthony Williams could be that scat back like a Tariq Cohen, maybe not quite that small, but, um, you know, a guy like that who's coming out of the backfield, getting a lot of receptions. So as far as the yards go, um, I'm probably going to say Anthony Williams. I think he's going to be picking up the chunk yards. He averaged 12.8 yards per reception last year. Um, which blew the rest of the running backs out of the water who got any meaningful amount of catches. So um, I'd put my money on Anthony Williams. I think this offensive staff is going to love his athleticism coming out of the backfield to help open up the passing game and give more check down options. Um, I think Hayward will be in there for a lot of passing downs, but I'm not necessarily sure they're going to be looking for him, um, you know, with the ball as much. So we'll see, but that's, that's where I'd put my money. Yeah, I, I actually had the same pick. I, I was looking at Anthony Williams because, I like you said, I, I do think that there will be certain packages where we're trying to get, you know, Collins a breather. We're, we're trying to get him off the field. And between Connor Hayward and Anthony Williams, uh, Anthony Williams is just more explosive. He, he makes bigger plays. Yeah. You know, Connor Hayward, seven yards per catch. Anthony Williams, just about 13. So uh, that's a pretty stark difference. And... I think when you are looking for, for chunk plays in the passing game, of course, we'll talk about the receivers here in a second, but you know, that's a guy you can swing the ball out to and, and he can make somebody miss and take it 15 yards down the sideline in a hurry. So I think that, you know, he's a guy that as the coaching staff, you're going to want to try to get him involved in some way, shape or form, you know, because of course we know Eli Collins and he's going to be the workhorse back. So when you have a, a dynamic playmaker, you just want to try to find ways to get him involved. And I think the passing game is, is probably going to be his best bet. So receiving yards from a running back, we're both going Anthony Williams here. Um, and, and sticking with the receiving trend, we'll jump over um, to probably the wide receivers. I guess you could throw a tight end or a running back into here if you want. Uh, receptions. Uh, now, last year, Cody White led the team in receptions with 66. Daryl Stewart had 49. Matt Sabert, 26, Trey Mosley, 21. Uh, we go down the list. So obviously the top two guys are gone. You know, that's well over 100 receptions that are gone between the two of them, which opens a huge void here. Um, now, there's a lot of options. You got Jaden Reed coming in from Western Michigan. You got Trey Mosley. You got Jalen Naylor on the roster. Obviously, Julian Barnett flipped over to defense. Um, and then you got the tight ends, Trenton Gillison, um, could be involved here. Now, if we're looking at just receptions, you know, we'll talk about yards and touchdowns here in a second. I'm going to go with Trey Mosley. Um, that, this is a guy, he came on really strong at the end of the year. You know, the beginning of his season, he, he wasn't really getting a whole lot of playing time. He wasn't even really appearing in games. And then down the stretch, he started to make a name for himself. And then in the final two games of the season, you had Maryland, he had eight catches uh, for 73 yards. Wake Forest, he, he put in four catches as well. And it's important to note, you know, they were dealing with some injuries, but that Wake Forest game that Daryl Stewart and Cody White were both healthy and on the field. Jalen Naylor was healthy and on the field. And Trey Mosley was still involved with four catches. So uh, this is somebody that, you know, we'll talk about the yards and touchdowns again, but as far as just the receptions number, 
he came on with 21 catches. That was fourth on the team, and he only played in like four games. Uh, so I, I really think that this is going to be the guy that you're looking for on third downs, that you're looking for on those clutch plays because he's he's shown that ability. He's got good hands, and he's got a good body size. He's not, you know, this – you know, Trayvon Morgan, six, seven freak out there, but he's also not, he's also not a little guy and he's somebody you can depend on for one-on-one situations. So I'm going with Trey Mosley here as my uh, choice to lead the team in catches. Yeah. You know, looking at this again, we have a inexperienced, but very diverse stable. I think I'm most excited to, to keep track of this statistic. I think it'll give us, or, or maybe potentially targets as well, but It'll give us a sense of where this staff wants the ball to go in the offense going forward. Um, I'm interested to see where they're going to line everyone up. Um, obviously, Trey Mosley's going to be on the outside. He's, he's built like that number one outside wide receiver. Um, you've got Lares Nelson and, and Jalen Naylor, both probably the most experienced as far as reps um, on the team coming in. But they're both kind of built uh, as a – a slot guy. I mean, Naylor's six foot, so you could put him on the outside and Luritz Nelson's only five, eight. So it's hard to say where they're going to put everyone. Who's going to be that second outside receiver. Maybe Jaden Reed fills that spot and, and Naylor and Nelson, you know, fight for reps on the yeah, inside. CJ Hayes at six, two could do it as well. Yeah. Yeah. But he got some reps last year. He didn't necessarily take advantage of them as much as I'd hoped he would have with his size. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's just another name in the stable. I think, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I think Mosley is the only guy who's really locked down his snaps for this year. Um, and, and he's, like I said, built like that number one receiver who can take a lot of, you know, a lot of hits. He can fight for the ball. He's got a lot of physicality and he's going to be a nice uh, option for these quarterbacks to throw it into one-on-one and be confident that at least he's going to make a good play on the ball. And, and hopefully he'll be starting to fight a lot of receptions down from the number one corners on the other teams. So, um, we'll see. I mean, if, if this coaching staff really likes check downs, really likes underneath stuff, we might see a lot of crossing routes. We might have, you know, a, a slot guy who plays like a Cole, Cole Beasley esque kind of slot, getting a lot of receptions inside five or 10 yards on crossing routes, slants, things like that to, to maybe take the pressure off the quarterback. Um, but like I said, I think Mosley is the only guy who's really going to be out there 80, 90, hundred percent of the snaps on offense. And for that reason alone, I think he'll be getting the most looks. Yeah, it's, I think this is, this is part of the reason I wanted to do this is I, I think it's going to be really fun to look back at this after the season winds up and say, look, we, we've never seen this offense before. It's a new offensive coordinator. It's a new coaching staff. It's a new quarterback. I mean, everything is new and we don't really know what to expect. So I think that's where it's going to be fun to kind of, you know, hey, here's what I'm feeling now. I'll, I'll throw this out there. Um, but obviously none of us have any idea and, and we'll see at the end of the year, like, okay, we did have a good read on, you know, this wide receiver group or, you know, Hey man, we had no idea that CJ Hayes came out and led the team in catches or something like we, we have no yep. idea how this new coaching staff views these players and, and everything. So, and you got, there's a lot of options, of course, you know, one person that I wanted to include is, um, I do think Jalen Naylor's a guy that they're going to want to get involved. We still we saw him catch a ton of screen passes and things like that. Um, problem with him is just has been health, and so when you're counting on him to lead a team in catches, you're also counting on him playing the full season, and just not something that I want to put my reputation or my money on. So I, I think Jalen Naylor, if healthy, could be on this mix, but I'm just not going to count on that for right now. Yeah. So receiving yards, uh, we, we both picked Trey Mosley for receptions. Receiving yards, um, are you going with the same guy or are you mixing it up a little bit? Yeah, again, I mean, if Trey Mosley's lining up on the outside, he's going to be running a little bit deeper routes regularly. Um, you know, if he is leading the team in receptions, I think he'll probably have a pretty solid average as well. And I don't see how, you know, anybody with less receptions, unless it's really close, could really exceed that. So I think that's the safe bet. Um, obviously a lot resides on this offense. Maybe they're going to be throwing it outside at the line of scrimmage a lot, and he's going to have a lot of short yardage receptions. Um, you never know, but I think, you know, playing outside, leading the team in receptions, um, if we're assuming that, I think it's safe to say he'll have the most yards as well. 
Yeah, I'm see, I'm going to mix it up a little bit here, more just, you know, to make it interesting. But I, I really do the, think this is a real possibility is, is Jaden Reed, the transfer from Western Michigan, um, because I, I do think he's a big play kind of guy. He's a, he's a deep threat that can really – he can take a slant past the distance or, or he can just take the top off and uh, if we have a quarterback that can get him the ball 40 yards downfield, uh, he, he can make those type of plays – uh, the last time we saw him two years ago at Western, he had 56 catches, 797 yards, uh, and eight touchdowns. So it's good for 14.2 yards per catch, which would have been uh, tied with Daryl Stewart for best on the team last year. If you're not including Brian Lewerke's one catch for 17 yards in the equation, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go Jaden Reed here just because it, it, I do think there's a real shot of this happening. And again, um, if, if Trey Mosley is that kind of money play, third down, red zone type of guy, you know, Jaden Reed's the guy where, hey, it's third or second and one, third and one, and we're looking to just take a shot down the field, um, Jaden Reed might be the guy that we're looking to there. So I, I'm going to go Jaden Reed out of Western Michigan, I like uh, the transfer coming in. Uh, Luke Baker on Twitter again, he hit us with Jaden Reed as well. He said he's talented and a great deep ball threat, so – um, I, I think he could step into a big role right away this year. Jay Johnson's mentioned him in his press conferences on Zoom where, you know, he said that, you know, this is a guy who can be a big play threat. They've talked about using him in the return game, something that we'll talk about coming up. But it seems like a guy who's really impressed the new coaching staff and, and this guy that they're going to want to get on the field and ultimately get a lot of touches. So I'll go with Jaden Reed there. Receiving touchdowns. Uh, so we we both had Trey Mosley for uh, receptions. I had Reed. You had Mosley for yards. Receiving touchdowns here. Uh, are you mixing it up or, or sticking with the Trey Mosley train? I am going to mix it up big time. I'm going with Elijah Collins. Oh, okay. He had five last year. Uh, total touchdowns. No receiving y- touchdowns. But I do think they're going to get him involved a lot. I think around the goal line, they're going to get him involved as well. Keep the defense on its toes, keep it spread out. Um, I know that's super out there, but I think the touches are going to get spread around all over the place for these wide receivers. Um, I think Collins is going to be on the field enough and make some plays. And I think he's going to get enough. Uh, I think the defense is going to sleep on him a little bit um, when he's out there. You know, they're going to expect the run. If he's not getting the ball, they're going to kind of forget about him and maybe leave him one-on-one with the middle linebacker. Um, and hopefully out in space, you can make a man miss near the goal line and, and pop a few in. So that's my, that's my probably boldest prediction huh. of the, uh, of the episode. I, like, I genuinely, a lot of names came across my mind and Eli Collins was not one of them. I was thinking, you know, like, like you have your tight ends, you have these new wide receivers. Didn't even think about Eli Collins's name in this. So that that's an interesting pick. That could, you know, that that could make you look like a genius uh come eight, More nine, ten weeks from like now. Idiot. But <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Last year Cody White led the team in uh, I forgot to mention in yards with nine hundred twenty-two, uh, but also with touchdowns. He had six touchdown catches. Next highest was Daryl Stewart with four, Matt Seibert with three, and then a handful of guys each had one. So Really, you have nobody returning with more than one touchdown from last year. So, again, this is an open bag. Um, man, I I really want to say Trayvon Morgan just because that's what I want to happen. I want the six seven wide receiver to go in there and just get thrown jump balls around the goal line. That's probably not going to be the case. Um, so I'm going to go with my guy, the tight end, Trenton Gillison. I, I think he's going to be – uh, a nice player around the red zone, but but more than that, he's shown the capability of making some big plays. So I think when you combine the red zone threat of a guy his size, and obviously tight ends are always going to be involved in, around the end zone, you add in the fact that he can break a tackle and go 40 yards on somebody. Like he, I think we can count in like one or two big plays from him that he could potentially find the end zone. Like last year, he had the bowl game against Wake Forest. He had that 60 or 70-yard catch. He didn't get into the end zone, but those type of plays show you, like, it's not just the, hey, we're on the five-yard line, let's throw a fade up to him or get him on a slant against the linebacker or something. Like, he he can really make some things happen before and after the catch. So I'm going to go with Trenton Gillison here 
to lead the team in touchdown catches. He did not have a single touchdown catch last year, uh, but I think that's going to change in a big way here this year. I like uh, it. I like it. He's got a lot of athleticism left to uh, left to show us. Um, he showed flashes, like you said, had the longest play from scrimmage last year for our team. Um, and I think he's got a great high-pointing ability, great frame. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully I've always wanted us to get our tight ends involved more. I think it spreads out the field. I think it gives us just that many more options um, when we're calling plays and when the quarterback's making reads. So I hope you're right. Yeah, you go back to some of our best offenses. It was, you know, Josiah Price was in the mix in that red zone. It's just another threat, another guy you have to worry about. So I, I think that could be an interesting one that we'll, we'll come back on a, a few weeks from now. Nice. Uh, the offensive line, you know, there's not really many measurable stats here that to talk about, but one that I guess you could put up there is pancakes. Now, the, the Michigan State Stat Department, they basically categorize dominators. Uh, so I guess you could uh, – it's pretty subjective, of course. You know, I would assume that you're looking at pancakes, and then if a guy drives his defensive lineman back 15 yards or something, you're probably including that as well. Um, so we're just going to look at pancakes here. Uh, I think that's a fun one to, to talk about with the offensive line. I'll go with Kevin Jarvis. He's a big bully in the middle. He's a guy who's, um, when he's played, of course, when you're looking at any of these offensive linemen, you have to, uh, give the extra clarification of if he's healthy, but if he is playing and if he is on the field, he's really shown, a really impressive ability in the run game. And, and just with his size, you know, he's coming in 6'6", 325 pounds. Um, he's, he's got a lot of starting experience. And he's probably our best offensive lineman as far as, like, talent and strength and size goes. He's a guy that I've talked about with legitimate NFL hopes, again, if he's healthy. I, I think he's a guy who could be a late-round pick. Um, somebody could take a flyer on somebody with that size and, and that, you know, just bully mentality in the run game. So I'll go with Kevin Jarvis here to lead the team in pancakes here in 2020. Okay. Yeah. I, I think a guard's a safe bet. Um, you know, they're pulling a lot in this power scheme that will probably be running quite a bit and they're slamming into defensive ends that are coming in on block. So gives them a lot of opportunities to knock guys down and uh, get them to the ground. So, I'm going to go with the guy on the other side, though, J.D. Duplain. So mm -hmm. he's one of the guys that's been in the program for a couple of years now. Um, he's been developing – well, a year now. He's been developing. He got tons of reps last year. Um, and I think, you know, you marry that with the new uh, – you know, Chris Kapilovich, the new offensive line coach, who's supposedly supposed to be one of the better, you know, guys in his position in the, in the country. So I think he's going to break out this year. Um, I think he's going to really lead our power – um, scheme. And uh, yeah, I expect to see him getting a lot of guys on the ground this year. Love it. Yeah, and the, the other guy I was, I was kind of thinking about was Devante Dobbs. Uh, if he gets that right tackle spot, we saw his high school, his high school tape of him just throwing people like 15 yards downfield. So um, if he gets in there, we know he has the power to do it. Um, but again, if, if we're talking about who's the safe bet, we don't even know if he's going to be a starter. So that, that one's yep. a tough one to rely on. But if he is the starter week one, um, he's definitely a guy you would look for at that right tackle spot to be throwing some people around. Yep. I'll move on to the defensive side of the ball here. So we'll start with the D-line. Uh, I guess you could include anybody you want here, but probably the defensive line with the sacks. Now, last year, uh, of course, our, you know, basically production monster, Kenny Willickis, led the team in sacks for the last couple of years. He had 10 sacks last year. Uh, Raekwon Williams was second on the team with five. He had Antoine Simmons and Joe Bocci and Jacob Panisuk all tied with three and a half sacks behind them. Um, this year, I'm going to go with Jacob Panisuk. He's a guy who's you know, really our only returning starter on that defensive line and somebody who started a lot of games over the last couple of years. He started every game the last two seasons and then uh, a handful of games, I think, as a, as a freshman as well. Um, but he's had five and a half sacks the last two years, six and a half for his career. Uh, but I think it just comes down to the fact that, one, he's experienced, um, and two, when you go back and watch some of those games, there was a couple sacks that he was just 
basically a split second short of Kenny Willekes getting in there first. So um, he, he was in the mix. I think he could have had a few more sacks last year, uh, but Kenny was just such a disruptive force that um, it's, it's hard to beat him to the quarterback sometimes, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Now, one interesting thing to look at is, you know, does Kenny Willekes leaving make his job a lot harder because when you have a guy like that, that's so disruptive, it takes a lot of the focus on the offensive line. So, you know, Jacob Panishuk can kind of come off the other edge without the offense's attention. Um, So does that change this year? Does that change his productivity? I'm not sure, uh, but he's going to be the guy I'll go with. Uh, If we're looking for a flyer wildcard type guy, I'll, I'll give you Michael Fletcher because I think he's got a ton of talent. And if he gets on the field, uh, maybe he could make some noise. But what are you thinking for the sacks? You know, I, I had the same thought about Panashuk regarding his, his job getting a lot harder. Um, if Michael Fletcher is the talent we hope he is, it, that may not be as much of a concern. But I'm worried Panashuk's going to get the majority of the attention from the offensive line and they're going to be focusing on him. Uh, a guy that I do think, you know, you mentioned him a little, or you mentioned linebackers could be included. And I think Antoine Simmons is going to lead this category this year. He, he led the, well, he was second by half a tackle in tackles for loss last season. He was third on the team tied with Panashuk uh, and Bocce for sacks. And, you know, he's, he's the most athletic guy on our defense and, and the most talented, the most experienced. He's shown a great propensity to get off his blocks uh, game after game this year to make tackles, to make sacks, to make tackles for loss. So I think he's going to be the biggest disruptor we've got. I'm worried Panashuk's going to struggle in that number one defensive end slot. Um, maybe not struggle, but at least enough to uh, give Simmons the uh, the sack title this year. I love it. Yeah, he's, again, three and a half sacks last year. He had the same amount as uh, Jacob Panashuk. So it's it's not e- not really that crazy to think that he could top it. And if uh, the the defensive coordinator, Scotty Hazleton and Mel Tucker as a defensive head coach, if they're just looking for ways to, you know, get him in involved and get him making plays, um, I I could see a lot more blitzes. I could see him just, you know, trying to to be a disruptive playmaker on the defensive side. So I I love that pick, Antoine Simmons, to lead the team in sacks. Um, Let's see here. I think Luke Baker had, he said Panishuk, just the most most experienced defensive end. Um, so he's with me on that one. Now, tackles for loss. Are, are you going with your guy, Antoine Simmons, there as well? Or are you going to go with somebody else? Yeah, I mean, I hate to sound like a broken record, but like I said, he, he had 15 tackles for loss last season. Willikas had 15 and a half. Um, so we know he can do it. He's already done it on a defense that he wasn't getting a lot of, of help around him as far as distractions, uh, distracting the defense. So yeah, I think he's going to get in the backfield a ton this year. I think he's going to live back there. I think Hazleton, like you said, Hazleton and Tucker are going to want to be aggressive this year. They're going to want to speed up the quarterback's reads, especially if our secondary is not coming around as quickly as we hope it does. They're going to be wanting to force him to get rid of the ball. So our linebackers are going to be playing downhill, and and he's going to be playing back there a lot. Yeah, I, th- I mean, uh, that's probably your safest pick. Uh, again, 15 tackles for loss, just loss last year. He was second on the team behind Kenny Willekes. Mike Panishuk was third with 10. And then you had Joe Bocci, Jacob Panishuk, and then it goes on down the list. I'm going to go with Naquan Jones here um, for, okay. for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, again, you look at the, the leaders last year. Mike Panishuk had 10 tackles for loss. That was third on the team. Now, I have a, a, a simple question for you here, Scott. Do you remember Mike Panishuk as this, you know, disruptive force who's always in the backfield making – making plays behind the line of scrimmage. You know, when I think of Mike Panashuk making plays back there, I think the image that comes to my head is just a giant collapse of the entire pocket. <laughs> and then as guys get pulled up and off, Mike Panashuk's the guy laying on the ball carrier. So no, um, but I think he benefited a, a shitload from having Raekwon Williams standing next to him. I mean, those two, they had two to three full seasons playing next to each yeah. other and both developed into really at least Big Ten elite defensive tackles so um yeah but no to answer your question directly (laughs) he was typically not the dude bearing down on the quarterback chasing him out of the pocket every play no and that's a good point with Raekwon Williams but I I asked that just to make a simple point of like you know that starting defensive tackle spot you're gonna have opportunities to to make tackles for loss and Mike Panishuk nobody's gonna you know just excuse him for like a you know 
athletic freak in the middle who's, you know, the Aaron Donald type that's in there in the backfield making plays. Uh, that's just not him. Whereas, you know, Naquan Jones, again, you know, he's not Aaron Donald. That's ridiculous. But um, I think he is a lot more athletic. I think he's got a quicker first step. And he's coming in at 340 pounds uh, again this season. So he's somebody, I think, with a full-time starting role. Um, now we'll see with his conditioning level uh, what that starting role really means. But I, I think he's going to have plenty of opportunities. And he's shown flashes over the last couple of years with some really, really impressive raw abilities. So if he can kind of put it all together, he's had nine and a half tackles for loss in his career so far. A couple of them really stand out. There was that Wake Forest play. He just blew up a running back in the backfield. I mean, I really think with his full-time opportunity here, uh, I think Naquan Jones is going to make an impact. Um, You know, I I had a couple guys to keep an eye out for, you know, but Antoine Simmons is is probably the other guy that that you're looking at for that category. So I'll go with the big fella, Naquan Jones, uh, for tackles for loss. Bringing us to tackles, just straight up normal ass tackles. And last year, the leader was Antoine Simmons with 90 tackles. Xavier Henderson was second on the team with 83. Kenny Willekes, 78. Tyreek Thompson, 75. Joe Bocci, 72. Um, it feels weird. I, like, I know he missed a, a couple of games, but it, it feels weird that Joe Bocci was so far down the list when you're just looking at the overall season. Again, you have to remember, obviously, that he missed a couple of games, but... Um, Antoine Simmons ended up leading the team last year. Is he going to lead the team again this year? No. I'm going to Xavier Henderson. Uh, he's been breaking out Not steadily. I, I wouldn't say he had a specific breakout season, but he's been spe- steadily progressing. By the end of last season, he was certainly a leader on our defense. Like you said, he was second, a quiet second, I would say. Um, and the reason I think he's going to be getting a lot of tackles this year is because we are replacing a lot of snaps at linebacker. So I think with an experienced, strong safety lingering down in the box a lot this year, it's going to be kind of an insurance policy for this defensive staff. They like to play cover three a lot more than our old defensive coordinators did as well. So he's going to be playing lower. They're going to float that free safety over the top and let Henderson make plays in the box. So with the combination of that and the inexperience at linebacker, I think he's going to be making a ton of tackles in the run game. Yeah, that's a, that's a great pick. And my first instinct when I looked at this was like, okay, who's going to be the starting middle linebacker? Because it feels like at Michigan State every year, you have Joe Bocci leading the team in tackles. You have uh, Max Bulla leading the team in tackles. You have Greg Jones leading the team in tackles. It, it's just kind of been a staple of that role. Um, but again, you're, you're looking at a whole different scheme here. Uh, you're looking at a totally different group of players here. I mean, when you're looking at the starting middle linebacker, I think it's probably going to be Noah, Noah Harvey. And it's a guy I don't, don't really love. Um, so yeah. man, when you, you're kind of going down the list of like, who, who's coming back with some experience, who's, who, who's made plays on the ball. I mean, Noah Harvey had 49 tackles in his kind of limited role. Um, again, tackles isn't, necessarily a a real measure of like who's a good player and who isn't a good player so a a not great player can have a lot of tackles but um, all all that goes to say that I I think this is where I'll pick Antoine Simmons for for a defensive player role because uh, again I I think that he's a guy that they're going to be counting on to to be really involved as a playmaker they're going to put him in a lot of different situations a lot of different positions they'll put him all over the field and he's somebody who's shown the ability to get out on a bubble screen and make a tackle on a wide receiver, to get into the backfield, to really do everything for this defense. So I'll go with Antoine Simmons to lead the team in tackles for back-to-back seasons. You know, I guess you could look out for Noah Harvey as that starting middle linebacker. That He's going to get tackles. Uh, Xavier Henderson, I think, is a great pick. Again, second in the team last year. I think his role is just going to keep continuing to expand as um, his his – you know, instincts and his talent keep growing. So that, I think that's a good pick by you there. Um, we'll, we'll head over to the defensive backfield, possibly, um, with interceptions. Uh, we'll start here um, with my guy, Luke Baker, who said, oh, why did I just get rid of this? Maybe we won't start with Luke Baker. Luke Baker said, Julian Barnett, freak athlete, 
who will lock down receivers. Scott, are you going with our guy Luke here in Julian Barnett to lead the team in picks? I like the pick. I think as far as cornerbacks go, he's the right pick. I don't think we're going to have a cornerback leading the team in interceptions this year. Um, we are going to be playing some zone on the corners, which could lead to a little bit more of that. You know, in man-to-man, typically they've got their head turned, uh, the back of their head turned to the quarterback. So uh, it should lend their eyes to the quarterback a little bit more. But I do think whoever our starting free safety ends up being is going to lead the team in interceptions. Uh, I've heard that possibly being Trey Person, um, he didn't have any last year, but you know, whoever's roaming in that third zone up there, I think it's going to get a lot of looks. He's going to be watching the quarterback size a ton. He's going to be roaming up there. And I think person's quick. He's got good ball skills. And I think he, if he does get the start there, I think it'll be him getting most of the grabs. Yeah. I, I went with the same. I went with Trey person and it's mostly a scheme pick rather than a player yeah. pick. Like you said, I think when you're running that cover three, Whoever that free safety is going to be, it's going to have a lot of opportunities to come over the top and make an interception. So I'll, I'll go with Trey Person there as well. I think Julian Barnett's a good pick. I mean, look, he's a 6'2 yeah. corner with good ball skills. So when a quarterback is going to throw one-on-one, you know, 50-50 ball, he's got a good chance of coming down with that thing. So I think that's a good pick. But um, Josiah Scott led the team last year with three interceptions. Xavier Henderson was second on the team with two. Um, he's a guy... I think you could be in the mix for a lot of these categories, but I think interceptions yeah. is certainly one of them. Um, so Xavier Henderson, also another guy to look out for there too. Kalon Gervin, you know, is probably going to be that other starting corner. Maybe he's in the mix there as well, but uh, we're both going with Trey Person there for interceptions. Um, now what about just pass breakups? Uh, does that change your, uh, like we said, you know, with given the scheme, I think Trey Person's going to be coming over the top on a lot of these plays um, and he's got a lot of opportunities for interceptions. But if we're looking at just pass breakups uh, or passes defended, however you want to categorize that, Josiah Scott, again, led the team last year with six. Xavier Henderson, five. Shakur Brown, five. Uh, Josh Butler, five. Um, does that change your pick at all for, for PBUs? Yeah, you know, I think I do like uh, Julian Barnett here. Like you said, he's got great ball skills. He's a freak athlete. He's going to be able to get around – um, you know, wide receivers running routes and get underneath the ball to knock it down. Uh, maybe that leads to interceptions as well. Maybe I'll be wrong in that category, but I do think he'll be getting the ball the most. Obviously playing on the outside, lining up potentially on number one wide receivers. He's going to be getting a lot of balls thrown his way. And, uh, you know, as as your buddy Brian on Twitter said, he's, he's a, a freak athlete and he's got great ball skills. He's just going to be all over the place, getting a lot of looks uh, from quarterbacks going his way. And I think he'll get to the ball a lot. The disrespect on my guy, Luke Baker. How dare you call him Brian? Oh, shit. <laughs> my apologies, Luke. I had, uh, he's got the, he's got the head. last name with a B. It's, yeah, it's fair. Well, shame on me. Brian Lewerke. Yeah, I don't know. There's something there. Um, Rusty. Rusty. <laughs> but yeah, I actually went with Xavier or, um, with Julian Barnett as well. Uh, for, Again, kind of a scheme reason. I, I think that with his size, he's probably going to be lined up on a lot of these number one wide receivers. It's not necessarily saying like he's going to come in and be the best defensive back or the best corner and, hey, we want you to shadow all the, the other team's best player. But I think it's going to be a situation where, you know, look, a, a lot of the other teams are going to come in and they're going to be – uh, the, their number one receiver is going to be a bigger guy. He's going to be 6'2". He's going to be 6'3". And, and Julian Barnett's going to get that matchup. And, and where your 6'3 re- wide receiver, your quarterback is probably counting on you for some of those 50-50 balls on third down. And, and so I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity for uh, production on the ball. So I, I think with PBUs, I'm going to look for Julian Barnett here. And like you said, you know, you can turn a couple of those into, into interceptions and both of our predictions going to be wrong there. But I think for passes broken up, uh, Julian Barnett's probably the best bet there. Uh, we'll head over to the special teams. Uh, we'll, we'll start off with the field goals. I, I think this one will go pretty quick. Matt Coughlin. Yep. Next. All right. So good talk. Punts. This is very interesting. Actually, it's weird to say, man, the punter position, like one of the most fascinating stories in on the team heading into the season. Um, going into this, I, I think I've called, I've mentioned it a couple times that 
We don't really know who's going to be the punter after Jake Hartbarger uh, graduated, but my eyes were on Tyler Hunt. He was the guy who stepped in when Hartberger got hurt in 2018. Um, he was basically the first guy that stepped in, I should say, um, and, and did a pretty okay job. We we were talking offline before we started recording here, and it was like, you know, you look at the numbers, and they were okay. It, it was, you know, nothing to write home about. He's not going to win a rate guy, but it was it was okay. I mean, he had a, um, let's see here, he had – uh, 40-yard average, which was, uh, now that I'm looking at it, eight yards shorter than Hartbarger, so I guess that's not very good. But he had a handful of, of them down inside the 20, and I was thinking he's probably going to be the guy. They brought in a grad transfer, Mitchell Crawford from UTEP. Um, his numbers aren't, like, you know, jaw-dropping either. Uh, but, but then we get the reports this week from 24-7 that Tyler Hunt's working out with the tight ends. Now, like I, I've been trying to find this like for a whole week, just give me some clarity. I don't know if that means Tyler Hunt, the punter, is also working out with the tight ends, or Tyler Hunt is now a tight end. I have no idea. So this this one could get real interesting here. I'm gonna say that the most likely scenario here is that given the the short limited time of practice that we've had uh maybe this grad transfer Mitchell Crawford has has taken the job and and the coaching staff looks at Tyler Hunt as a guy he's like 230 pounds or something they're like yeah let's you know I don't know he's got good hands and maybe let's uh try to find another role for him so I'll go with Mitchell Crawford here the the UTEP grad transfer for the punts yeah, you know, I read the situation similarly. I, I honestly, I don't think many programs would put their starting punter, uh, you know, giving him reps in practice in a contact position like tight end. I think that's just a bad, uh, bad, you know, you're asking for something bad to happen yeah. to him. Um, another th- reason I think it'll be Crawford is because he's an Australian style punter, something we haven't really had in the program under D'Antonio. But I know Mel Tucker and his staff are really high on Mark Vassett, who's the recruit coming out of Australia next year he's like 22 23 years old he went to one of the Australian you know American football uh, specialist camps down there and so he's, he's coming in the full eligibility I think they probably have their eyes on him as kind of the quote-unquote punter of the future and I think for that reason they're going to be trying to build their special team schemes around that style and again you know Mitchell Crawford he, he played at UTEP he's been Obviously, he was a senior last year. He's experienced. He's probably very sure-handed. Not a name that's been, you know, circulating around MSU circles particularly uh, (laughs) often lately. But I think for those reasons, you know, the style and and the experience, I think it'll go to him. Tyler Hunt, I'd love to see get involved. I mean, we were, like you said, talking about him before we started recording. He was a great athlete in high school. He played quarterback. He played basketball. He played baseball. He had accolades in all three sports. So I think. Uh, he'll he'll be on the field somewhere, um, maybe on special teams. Otherwise, maybe in the offense a bit. We'll see. Uh, but I do think they're angling for Mitch Crawford to take uh, the majority of snaps this year. I, I have a genuine question. Uh, Tyler Hunt, do you remember him returning a kickoff? Because I sure as hell don't. And apparently he, has, he had a 16-yard kick return last year. I do no, I mean the, the best <laughs> guess I could have is he caught like a pooch kick, and that's and what I was thinking. But sixteen yards or is like a, a sixteen-yard return on like a squib kick or something. Is, that's pretty good. Like, yeah. So I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. I'll have to do some more digging. But I was just you know kind of going through Tyler Hunt's stats, and I saw that, and I don't remember that at all. So yeah, maybe it was just a little pooch kick, and and he found some good blocking, but. Um, yeah, no, that, that punting position is going to get real interesting. I, I do think that, you know, these Australians that we're bringing in is it's, it's the way of the future. I think of football. I mean, it's something where it gives your, it gives your coverage team a little bit more time to get down the field. It limits big plays in the return game. So, um, you know, people try to, to make the argument of like, well, you, you want one of these guys cause they can run the fakes or something like I, I don't really buy into that. I don't think that's why these coaches are doing it. They like the extra two or three seconds to, for their guys to get down the field and, and you know, prevent a, a big return. So um, I, I think Tyler Hunt's probably the odd man out here moving to tight end. 
Um, but you know, Hey, let's see what this Mitchell Crawford kids got, uh, in the cold weather coming up from Texas. <laughs> and now punt return and kick return yards. Um, I, I looped them together because I personally think it's going to be the same player. You can tell me if you feel differently. Um, I'm going with Jaden Reed again out of Western Michigan here. Um, he is, he had a punt return touchdown in 2018 for Western Michigan, uh, he led their team in punt return yards and not in kick return yards, though. Um, and that's where I think it could get interesting. I think he he's probably going to be locked into that punt returning spot. And we'll see what happens with kicks. Um, I, again, I know Jay Johnson, he was on a, a press conference and he was talking about how they want to get him involved in the return game. Uh, he was a guy that, you know, uh, that Jay Johnson mentioned by name as, as somebody that they're just trying to get the ball to and, and whether that's special teams or, or on offense. So I, I think that that's a good position where, you know, he can get in the mix right away. He, he doesn't really need a whole lot of, um, you know, hey, you need to learn the playbook and everything. I guess everybody's kind of on the same page there, but um, I, I think they're going to try to get him the ball in space and that's going to be in the return game. So I'll go with Jaden Reed to lead the team in both kick return and punt return yards here this year. Yeah, you know, the the idealist in me has been begging for Jalen Naylor to take over return duties on on both punts and kicks just because we've wanted to see that explosiveness. But, you know, given the questions about his durability and wanting to have his athleticism for available for a full season, I just don't see them putting him in those positions where he's going to be potentially taking bigger hits. Um, and obviously it's a very high-risk uh, position to be in. Not only that, I just think Jaden Reed's built a little bit better for kick returns. Uh, and for that reason, I think he'll get most, of, like you said, the return duties. We're going to be trying to get the ball in his hands. He's built a little sturdier than Naylor. Um, and, and I think he's going to show a lot of flashes there if we can open up some space and some open field for him. Yeah, so that that's going to be an interesting one to watch for. You know, we don't have um... – Wow, I'm blanking on his name. I've heard his name so many times in fair catches, and I'm blanking so Sour hard right now. The most Jeez. returns last year and fair <laughs> catches, but obviously he's gone. <laughs> yeah, Brandon Sowards, man, what a legend. Uh, but yeah, well, Brandon Sowards, obviously. I don't know, he might just have unlimited eligibility. I, he's hanging around, so you know he's a grad assistant or something. There's no way he's just like leaving MSU football. There's zero percent chance. next to the sideline trying to catch uh, coffin corner punts out the <laughs> sidelines. He's going to have a sideline pass just standing by the pylons and dragging him in. Hey, if, if we brought him in as like the specialist coach of like, hey, you're the fair catch coach. You know, we, we want you to coach these guys on the proper technique of getting your hand up. I would, I would love that. Just bring him in for a week, get some specialist training. You know, Brandon Sowards, always nobody a legend for his uh, – <laughs> nobody. So he's gone, and, and we'll see how that return position continues to evolve. Um, we haven't had like a, a – return touchdown in a while. So uh, I would like to see some more dynamic playmaking there, but um, just to kind of recap, um, let's see here, passing yards and touchdowns. I went with Rocky Lombardi, Scott, you went with Theo day rushing yards. We both went with Eli Collins rushing touchdowns. Uh, we both went with Eli Collins, correct? Uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Receiving yards from a running back. I went with Anthony Williams. Scott, you went with, Anthony Williams as well. Anthony Williams. Yeah. Uh, receive receptions. We both went Trey Mosley. Receiving yards. Scott, you went with Trey Mosley. I went with Jaden Reed. Receiving touchdowns. I went Trenton Gillison. Scott, you went Eli Collins and receiving touchdowns. Uh, pancakes. I had Kevin Jarvis. Scott, you had JD Duplain, correct? Sacks. I went Michael Panishuk. Scott went Antoine Simmons. Tackles for loss. I went Naquan Jones. Scott went with Antoine Simmons. Tackles. I went with Antoine Simmons. Scott, you went with Xavier Henderson. Xavier Henderson. That's right. Uh, interceptions. We both had Trey Person. Pass breakups. Uh, we both had Julian Barnett. Correct. And return yards, we had Jaden Reed. Field goals, we had Matt Coughlin. Punts, we had Mitchell Crawford. So 
Um, that's that's going to wrap it up here today. Like I said, we're we're under three weeks now away from football season, so you know we're going to be really just talking football. Uh, you know, for the next couple of weeks, continuing to preview everything. Uh, my plan is to have both Scott and TJ back on for a big superlatives episode coming up here. So keep an eye on Twitter. Um, we'll get the votes out for that coming uh, in the next week or so. I haven't really decided on the date, uh, but follow Standing Room MSU for that. Got a lot of fun categories. You know, who's the best athlete on the team? Um, who's who's going to be the first year starter that's going to break out? All, all kinds of fun stuff there. Uh, we'll make sure we we really put that out on Twitter, give you guys a chance to vote for all of those positions. I think we got like 17 different categories. So that'll be a whole lot of fun. Make sure you follow Standing Room MSU on Twitter. Standing Room Spartans on Instagram. We'll have that on both of those platforms as we continue to count down to the season. Um, today is, as you're recording, Monday, which makes it – uh, 21, 20, 19 days, correct? Away from MSU football. I haven't decided who that's going to be. Um, so make sure you follow for that. You can follow Scott on Twitter at SpartanMartin18. Is that correct? That is. Got it right this time. Beautiful. All right. Uh, let's wrap this thing up here. Hope everybody has a wonderful week. Uh, we'll see you on Thursday morning with the next edition. Take care, folks.